Good morning, everyone. My name's Jacinta, and today I have the privilege of reading the Bible for us. So today we're reading from the very beginning, so Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 3, and that's on page 1 of your Bibles. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. 
Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. My name's Gordon. I'm the assistant minister here, and that was my son before Jonathan just rolling on the aisle. Um, So that's... um, And we're beginning a new series in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, looking at our beginnings, our origins. That's what the word Genesis means. And if you're here particularly exploring the Christian faith, firstly, it's so great that you're here with us. We hope you have a a welcoming time here in our church family. But I really hope that this sermon series that we're starting in Genesis 1 to 11, I really hope that this will be helpful for you as we look at the foundational truths of the Christian message, the Christian worldview. And uh, I remember actually reading this very passage that we read, uh, Genesis chapter 1. Um, that Jacinta read. I remember uh, reading this with a uni friend uh, one time. We were at the uni bar after class and we were chatting and eventually um, we started talking about God. And this friend I had, he'd grown up in a Hindu family but became an atheist so he didn't believe in God anymore. And he asked me, because um, he knew I was a Christian, he asked me how, that I, how could I believe that God created the world? Um, I was, he knew that I was Christian, and we both studied engineering, so in his head, you know, those things don't really go together. And so I said, well, how about, you know, we read um, what the Bible says about creation? And so he said, okay. And so, you know, I got out my Bible, and we, we read Genesis 1. Afterwards, straight away, he looked at me, closed the Bible, and said to me, how can you read this nonsense? How did you feel as we read Genesis 1 just now? Do you feel a bit like my friend, you know, this piece of writing we're looking at that belongs sort of in fantasy land? Or are you on the other extreme? You know, this is the Word of God, and we have to take every word of it, literally. You know, this has to be about God creating the world in six 24-hour days. And, you know, science has got it wrong about evolution, the Big Bang, all that. We have to reject it. Or do you find yourself stuck sort of in the middle You know, you want to uphold this as the authority of God's Word, but you're not sure about how it fits with, you know, what your science teachers have told you. I think it's fair to say that in a room like this, there'll be people in all sort of three camps, all three camps, and each one of us, each of us, we have to acknowledge that we all bring our own set of assumptions, our own set of questions as we come to a Bible passage like this. 
And I don't want to discourage anyone from asking questions as we read the Bible. I think we need to ask questions when we read the Bible. But sometimes asking questions can stop you from actually listening properly. Uh, one time I tried to watch a movie with my mum. Mum's uh, not listening to this, by the way. She, so I can tell you this. I was trying to watch a movie with my mum. And there I was trying to watch this movie, trying to follow along the storyline. And next to me, mum is just asking me all these questions in Chinese. You know, I'm trying to sit there, watch this movie in English, trying to follow what's going on, and she's just interrupting me in Chinese, you know. Who is that person? What did he just say? Is that explosion real? (laughs) Sometimes asking questions means that you're not actually listening properly. We need to listen properly to this story in Genesis 1. We need to listen properly. And I want to say that if you're asking the question, how... You know, how was the world made? How did this universe come to be? If you're asking the how question, you're not, I want to suggest that you're not actually listening properly to this story. You see, Genesis 1, it's not about how, it's about who. Not how, but who. This is a story not about how the world was created, but who created the world? God. Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't say, in the beginning, this is how the world was made. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the focus. This story introduces God as the main character. He is the main character. He sets, he's set up now as the main character, not just of this chapter, but the rest of the book of Genesis. But also, not just that, the rest of the Bible. It's introducing us to God. And this God that we're introduced to is totally other from the material world that he's about to create. He's not part of it. He's totally other from what he's about to create. Uh, In verse 2, I don't know if you noticed the words formless, empty, darkness. This God, he's going to make something from nothing. He's going to bring order from chaos. He's going to fill the emptiness. And as the story continues, we're shown two really important attributes about who this God is. So firstly, this God is a creator with absolute power, absolute rule over what he's creating. He speaks. He speaks. And things come into existence straight away. Did you notice that? Verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the pattern throughout the story. Let there be this. God speaks. And things just happen exactly how he wants it to be. And did you notice the repeated phrase after that? And it was so. God says, let there be this, and it was so. That's the power of this God. That's the power of this God in his words. This God has absolute power, absolute authority, absolute rule over what he's making. It's not like he's trying things, you know, trying something and then scrapping it and then, you know, doing it again, updating it. There's no first draft and then second draft. There's no that, there's not, that process is not there. He creates it. And did you notice? He says, it was good. And God saw that it was good, that constant refrain. You see, God speaks. It comes exactly as how he wants it to be. And God sees that it was good. He doesn't need to remake anything. He doesn't need to try again because it wasn't good enough. No, everything he makes was good, exactly how he wanted it to be. The world didn't come about because there were you know, multiple gods, multiple deities fighting each other in the heavenly places, and then out of that chaos, 
the world came to be. That was a very common view of things back then in the ancient Near East, that period of time. Genesis 1 says, no, there is one God, and he's supreme, he's sovereign, he, there's no rival, he has no rival that's equal to him. He has absolute power, absolute rule over what he's making. He's doing exactly what he wants. I think Genesis 1 also challenges the beliefs that we have around this time, our modern time, which say that there is no God, there is no designer. The world just came about by accident, randomly. Each one of us then, you know, because it's by accident, we have to find our own existence and purpose for existence. No, Genesis 1 that says that there is one God, one designer, one creator, who designed and made everything exactly how he wanted it to be. Everything exists and has a purpose because of his design, comes from his design. Now, I don't think that Genesis 1 you know, rules out completely science and evolution and the Big Bang. We'll get to that a bit later. But one thing it absolutely does rule out is a small view of God. Genesis 1 won't let you have a small view of God. This God that we're confronted with, he speaks and things exist exactly at how, how he wants it. This is not a small God. This is God who could have created the world in six seconds if he wanted to, not six days. This is a God with absolute power, absolute rule over what he's made. So that's the first thing. Secondly, uh, it's a God, this is a God of order. This is a God of order. Did you notice the, you know, we already talked about it, the re repeated phrases for each day of creation. So we said, you know, God speaks, let there be X, and it happens. And there was X. And then there's the pattern of God separating things. He separates light from darkness. The sky from the, the seas, the land from the seas. And then God names things. Day, night, sky, land, seas. And then the repeated, and it was so. That's a repeated phrase. And then there's the other repeated phrase. God saw that it was good. And each day, you notice, as Jacinta was reading, it ends with this same refrain. And there was evening, there was morning, the nth day. There's this obvious pattern. And this, these patterns show us what kind of text, what kind of piece of writing we're engaging with here. It's poetic. This is a poetic piece of literature. That's what we're looking at. And so that should inform how we are to understand it. So let me try and explain this. Um, here's a picture of the Earth. It's a photo of the Earth taken from space, actually. Um, here's another picture of the Earth, a map. It's a political map with all the different colors of all the countries drawn in and the border lines. See, both pictures, both these two pictures, they're about something real. They're about the world that we live in. But they're both doing something different, aren't they? They're both focusing on different things. They're focusing on different things about the Earth. So the photo is trying to show us what the Earth looks like. If you were to be in space and look back, that's what you'd see. That's what it looked like. They're the colors that you'd see. But the map is doing something else. It's trying to show us where all the countries are, you know, where the borders are. You're not going to go... You're not going to say from this map and say that if you go to China, everything will be pink. That's not how it works. You see, Genesis 1 is poetic. It's not a science textbook. It's not trying to tell us all the details about how the world was made. But it's trying to tell us about the God who made it. See, these poetic patterns that we were talking about, they're trying to emphasize that this is a God of order. A God of order. He didn't just wing it. 
He didn't just throw a few things around and boom, you know, the world came to be. That's, that's not what happened. God had a plan. He had an order to his creation. Look at what he makes in each day. So here's a really helpful graphic. So in day one, he makes light from the darkness. In day two, he separates the sky from the seas. In day three, he brings about the, the dry land and the vegetation from the seas. And look at what he does in the next three days. So in day four, he creates the stars, the moon, the sun to rule, to fill the space that he made in day one, to fill the light and the darkness. In day five, he creates the birds of the heavens, the fish in the seas, to fill what he made uh, in, in day two. And in, in day, six, he, day six, he made us and animals, all who live about on the, on, the, on the dry land, to fill the space that he had created in day three. God creates the realms, the spaces, in the first three days. And then in the next three days, he fills them. There's an order. There's a rationality to this creation. He didn't just make it up on the spot. This is a God of order, a God with a plan and purpose to his creation. And central to that plan is humanity. See, this poetic prologue, this poetic introduction, it builds towards a climax, the creation of man and woman. So you just need to look at how long it spends talking about the creation of humans. You only need to look at verse 31 when God says it was very good after he had made us. Not, not just good, very good. And God also rests after he makes us. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. You see, Genesis 1 has an, ob an obvious focus on God, but it also has a lot to say about us. And the key thing is that we're made in God's image. So verse 26. And God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Humanity is special. When no other creature is made in God's image, only us. We're not like the other creatures. Now, there's lots we can say about what it actually means to be made in God's image, but I think that's actually more the focus of the next chapter, Genesis 2, which is the creation story told from another perspective, from the perspective of God creating humanity. Now, actually, Genesis 2 is one of the readings that is in our Bible reading plan. If you flick to the middle of your booklet, we have our Bible reading plan for the week. If you're doing that reading, maybe you can ask that question. What does Genesis 2 say about what it means to be made in the image of God? But today, I really just want to talk about the implications of being made, of us being made in God's image, to be his image bearers. And this is fundamental to the Christian worldview. It's fundamental to the worldview of the Bible, and it's actually so countercultural to what our world is telling us. You see, Genesis says that you have dignity, you have value, you have worth, not because you can do something really well, not because you can think really well, but simply because of who you are as someone made in God's image. You're not, you're not more valuable because you can think faster. You're not less valuable because you can't do things that other people can do. You're not more valuable if you're a man or a woman or because you're from a particular ethnicity. You're not less valuable if you're younger or older than the average population. No. Every human being 
is made in God's image and therefore has dignity and value and worth in that of itself. You are valuable to God full stop. That is fundamental to the biblical worldview. And as a society, as a society, I, you know, the further we run away from this worldview, I think, I think it would be really hard for those in society who don't, I guess, you know, rank in terms of what they can do or how they can think. You know, that's how our society t- t- determines value and worth, isn't it? But not God. Not God. You see, this creation story in Genesis, it tells us that we're both really small, but we're also really valuable. I don't know if you remember the first time you realized how big the ocean was. I remember it was after the HSC. I just went up to a beach with some friends and just sat there on the beach staring at the ocean. It was a clear day. There's no one at the beach. I was just staring there for hours, just marveling at how big this ocean was. And we're just in the, you know, a point in Australia. Imagine how big the ocean Imagine how, God, how big God is to have made the ocean. See, creation makes us small, and we are small. And yet Genesis, this creation story we looked at, also tells us that we're valuable. God may have made all the oceans and all the galaxies that make us take our breath away, but we, you, you are his masterpiece. Not the ocean. The ocean wasn't made in his image. The galaxy wasn't made. Only you, only us. We're made in God's image. We're his masterpiece. See, Genesis tells us that we're not the center of the universe. God is but we're privileged. We have dignity and honor and worth as the masterpiece of God's creation. Not because of what we can do or what we have done, but simply because God chose to make us in his image. I don't know if you're feeling still a bit doubtful about all this. You know, I wonder, you know, isn't it a bit of a cop-out to say that Genesis 1 doesn't talk about the how, but the who? Doesn't that feel like a bit of a cop-out? But let me ask you, if I may, What's the question that you really care about? Do you really care about the how question? Do you look back, you know, on the year 10 lesson where you learnt about tectonic plates and black holes, do you look back on that and say that that was the most defining moment in your life-changing moment in your life? Of course not. See, the Bible knows that we have bigger questions. God knows that our biggest question is, why do I exist? Why am I here on earth? You know, whether you live back in 5000 BC in Mesopotamia or here in Sydney, 2022, God knows that deep down we're all looking for purpose. We're all asking the question, why do I exist? And the Bible has the answer to that question. Genesis 1 answers that. It says that we have a creator. We were designed by God. We are created from nothing to be something, to be something valuable for his purpose. Don't look anywhere else to find purpose for your life, to find your purpose for existence. Look to the God who made you, the God who designed you, the God who gave you dignity and worth and value as his image bearer. You won't find purpose in what you can do or what you have done or what you have or anything else like that. Look for it in your creator. Turn to him and what he says. See, the story of the Bible as it continues says that this creator isn't distant. He's not a distant God, but he's intimately involved in his creation. And he's accessible. You can come to know him. He has made himself known to us in Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God. So I want to finish with John chapter 1. 
It's talking about Jesus, the Word. The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And this is the most remarkable thing in verse 14. The Word, this God, has became, he became flesh, became a human, and made his dwelling amongst us. The God who existed all the way in the beginning, who made himself, who made everything and rules over everything, this God has made himself known, knowable to us by becoming one of us in Jesus Christ. It's only when we truly know the one who created us that we'll truly know ourselves. Let's pray. Awesome God and Heavenly Father, we're in awe of who you are, in the absolute power you have over all things, and yet we're also in awe in how you would give us such value and dignity as your image bearers. We pray, Lord, that as we hear your word in Genesis over the next months, that you would help us know you more, that you would help us know ourselves more, so we might live the lives that you've made us to live. Thank you that you're not a distant God, but you've made yourself and your, plan known, your plans known to us in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.